This is the Tomato Tomato Podcast. This is a movie uh, podcast, and specifically about the way that they're reviewed in this ever-changing, volatile, friendly, <laughs> critic review internet culture. Uh, I am your co-host, Chris. With I'm, me is... I am your other co-host, Jenna. Do you think... Did you ever think we would be sitting here and... Like, I... Okay, honest to God... Well, I, okay, okay. If you had told me two months ago that the Rotten Tomatoes controversy surrounding this movie would have existed, I would have laughed in your face. I think it could just be summed up uh, by Luke Skywalker. This is not going to go <laughs> the way you think. Exactly. I uh, okay. We we should we should like set the table. Start from there because I I have a million spoilers. thoughts. Spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. 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 Seriously, if you if you give enough of a shit to search this out, you either have seen the movie or you really need to go see the movie. Don't like I don't know I I like please do not listen to this if you have not seen the movie because there are if, things if, that if, like uh, on, on them. Yeah, but also I'm like please for the love of God, don't at I me. Know, I, I know there I'm like I know there are people who will listen to podcasts and then go see a movie. This is not that movie. It was already like this this past week was a con- like conscious battle for me to avoid spoilers when I literally work on the internet and work in fandom culture. And so I was like the fact that almost nothing was really spoiled for me was like incredible. And I really want as many people as possible to have that luxury. So, yeah. Yeah. So just listen to that warning. Um, So if you uh, haven't figured it out yet, we're talking about the last Jedi. Yes. I'm like, it's 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 kind of fucking obvious. (laughs) So, as we mentioned, there's some stuff going on Rotten Tomatoes with Last Jedi. Just to (sighs) run everything down, uh, it has a 93% on the tomato meter. It is fresh AF. Certified fresh. It has an 8.2. There are 294 reviews, with only 20 of those are rotten. Yes. And then... and yeah. opposite end of the <laughs> spectrum, fifty-seven percent audience score. Damn, it went down. It went. It was sixty yesterday. It I, it's going to keep going up and down. Yeah, yeah it. Uh, it's so fascinating to me. I did not ever think we would be in this position. Like this Neither, is obviously this, this is a thing the, that we've seen on Rotten Tomatoes. This is obviously a thing that occurs. I did not expect it to happen with a Star Wars movie. Uh, yeah, I I expected this to. Once I saw that people were not liking this, I expected it to be maybe seventies, not this low. It's. I think it's part of it is initial. The people who like, hate it, well, are it just going on and registering their disgust. Yeah, they're like going out of their way to voice their disgust because that's the only way that they think they have power in this situation. Whereas like if you're someone who liked it, there's obviously a majority of people who liked it, but not everyone is going to go on Rotten Tomatoes and rate it and do all of that sort of stuff. Especially what, now that's a term called uh, brigading. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, it like it's plus I, I guess technically it's been 48 hours since the movie, like since the first showings really started at the time that we're recording this. So it is obviously there are going to be people who waited to see it today or are waiting to see it tomorrow or so on and so forth. And so I think the, the I wholeheartedly expect the audience score to keep fluctuating because there's just going to be so many more people seeing it. So, yeah, it still early on. But there is a large part of the fandom that hates <laughs> it. I, it's so weird. I don't go on Tumblr nearly as much as I used to. That's that's mostly for work reasons. But like I, there were there was a subset of Star Wars people that I have followed on Tumblr, and today I had to unfollow about eighty five percent of them because what? it was just constant shitting on the Last Jedi, and I'm just like, in my house we do not do this, and so I, I just like unfollowed like a dozen people maybe that were like definitely Star Wars blogs because I was like I don't. I don't agree with you right now and I don't need this in your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, uh, I want your, okay. Give me, give me your, well, I feel like uh, as we go through the reviews, yeah. yeah. There's a lot and I just kind of want to get into those. Yeah. I I, I, I just mean like for the sake of the listeners, like they can tell we both liked it. Like, I feel like that's abundantly clear. But. I have minor gripes with it for the most part. Everything that I don't like in this movie, which isn't much, is easily outshined by everything that is great in it. Uh huh. So, do you think you're going to touch on what you didn't like, like as we go yeah. through the reviews? During the re- like when we go over the reviews. Okay, cool. Because I'm like, I am genuinely curious. We've talked about this movie a lot, obviously. But like, I, yeah, I'm curious what in particular you can think of that you didn't like. There are a couple of things that I, that there, there are choices I necessarily wouldn't have made, but they're choices that I understand why they're being made. And like, I've seen this twice already. I saw it twice in the span of 24 hours. So I like, I, I will confirm that the second viewing around things fall into place like a lot easier because mm. it's just so overwhelming the first time, like uh, unbelievably overwhelming that that second showing knowing certain things and preparing for certain things and even just like appreciating it just as more of a movie and less of just things being thrown at you, then a lot of stuff kind of makes more sense, I guess. Yeah. I, I will try to see it again as soon as I can, because I just need to for all the reasons that you just stated. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm like, I want to hear, cause I know like your reading of it would probably be completely different. Cause there's, I feel like having like, I literally, I went to an 1130 showing. I got, it got done. Like I, I got in bed at like three in the morning. I woke up the next morning. I hung out, ate breakfast, did whatever for a couple hours, ran some errands. And then I went to see it at three in the afternoon again. <laughs> so it's like, there was such a limited window of time, but still, that time that I wasn't sleeping or watching Star Wars, I was thinking about this movie. And like, I'm sure that the like a week or a week and a half or whatever in between the viewings for you would kind of be a completely different reading of it. Yeah, because I'll, I'll have time to kind of sit on it. Yeah. About it a lot, talked and, about it a lot. So, yeah. And absorb all the hot takes. 
Because there are so many. Ignored most of them. <laughs> well, so time to read all of them, and I just I know all of their opinions suck, anyways. <laughs> there are okay. There are a couple that like are good hot takes, but we'll go into those as we talk. But so speaking, like I guess we can get into the negative hot yeah. takes so of the reviews. Slant. Yes. Slant. So this is negative, but it's also two and a half out of four stars. Which seems almost very middle of the road, but not very. Like that's like, that's like 60 something. What? Why do you use four stars and just use five? I know. <laughs> uh, but talked about that before. Anyway, so this is from Sam C. Mack from slant.com. They just don't like it. But, um, but still two and a half stars. That's the weird thing. Like yeah. I, the, the people that boil it down to a n- numeric system are kind of funny to me because it's like you're, and we've talked about this before, but it's like your numeric rating of the movie is not your in-depth, cool, like qualitative rating of the movie that like comes forward in the review. But yeah, this like, they, they are very harsh in this review. They really are. Um, so it starts off with for those hoping that there have been that it may have been a substantial uptick in quality between Force Awakens and Last Jedi. Uh, uh, you may need a new hope. So yeah. out of the gate, completely wrong. <laughs> like I'm sorry, but uh, you're entitled to your opinion, but that's really harsh. And I'm like, do we, okay, do we want to touch on franchise? Uh, yeah. For, yeah, what do they say? Tightly wound. So they were kind of praising Looper. Um, mm-hmm. Rightfully so. And they also shit on Force Awakens, calling it an amped up version of Abrams' overly reverent tribute to George Lucas. <sighs> I think their mindset is like, nothing can top the original trilogy. So anyone who attempts to is just going to be kind of going through the motions, which yeah. I disagree. But I don't know. Uh, but the good news is, according to this review, is that Johnson has a bit more of his own plan here than the first half of the film suggests. Last shot, it becomes essentially bifurcated thanks to the one decisive, unexpected uh, break from the series' tradition-bound progression that reverberates across the film's various narrative threads. Yeah. it. So it's interesting. The second time that I saw this around, I saw it with my dad and like Star Wars is his thing. He like adores the prequels. That's how much he likes Star Wars. But he was sitting there with me before the movie started and he he goes, I'm going to tell you my prediction and you're not allowed to react because I I just want to get it out there so you know it, but you're not allowed to tell me if I'm right or wrong. And basically his his mindset was it was going to follow the pacing of the original trilogy and that that episode nine would then be this whole thing of like trying to give Kylo a redemption arc and then they kill the emperor. And so I was just sitting there the whole time, like with my like drink over my face, trying to hide the fact of like, no, that kind of happens in this one (laughs) and completely levels the playing field and creates this weird kind of uncharted territory as we go into the next one. Yes, exactly. Uh, Cause it's almost like a backhanded compliment that Mac is giving saying that it's good that it broke the mold. But also, why did you break the mold? (sighs) 
that's such a common consensus right now, which is crazy to me because we talked, we talked about this in our like retrospective episode that there's such a hate for the force awakens because it's so similar. And unexpectedly and out of nowhere, I feel like because a large part of the fandom is thinks that the force awaken is to be holden to the original. It's too similar to the first one and fans wanted something different. Johnson has done something different, and now it's too dissimilar to Star Wars, according to them. So they're and, moving the goalpost. Yeah, they're moving the goalpost, and it's also the goalpost is not even a goalpost. It's like the lamp that they have in their apartment because every there are so many people that came into this movie wanting it to be this gigantic wish fulfillment bullshit. Of had two years, yeah. Awakens. People have made head cannons and theories. <laughs> all of them <sighs> yeah i i was one of those people admittedly i pushed ray skywalker for a solid amount of time you did. Until, until rogue one like because my my main theory was like jen and luke are her parents and then rogue one fucked that completely which still kind of bothers me because <laughs> then it's like why is felicity jones cast when you could have picked a someone who isn't yeah i'm like that isn't kathy's self-insert but it like i love rogue one that doesn't have anything to do with it but like i pushed the ray skywalker theory for forever i still don't think it is a hundred percent dead there's like a tiny chance that somehow that could be i don't think so but i'm also completely like it's mainly just me trying to keep my like options open and keep my like keep the possibilities open and not have it be i don't know like we 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 have two more years now until episode nine there's going to be that discussion of like is this a red herring i i I certainly hope so because i love that ray is her own person i love it and that that the universe isn't just being eternally fucked up by the skywalker family yeah like there's there's this one thing piece that i shared with you i'll put it in the description it's not technically a review so i won't really like it it doesn't factor in here but the argument kind of was that the if, if if the all of these movies only focus on the Skywalkers. It's basically the equivalent of like do you know who my father is like it's just this one family that happens to be lucky and that in or unlucky in the case of everyone else in the galaxy who's completely kind of like dealing with the effects of what they do but like having what this movie opens up i think is like a really like interesting kind of touch we'll get into it later but like i i love I had to come to terms with it as I was watching it for the first time because I kind of like the, the the whiplash of the reveal kind of surprised me. But then as I kind of sat with it, I love it. I think it was really like the right way to go. Definitely was. Uh, yeah. And then back to the review, it says there's a very good 90 minute version of The Last Jedi that's <laughs> extraneous subplots and zeroes in on emotionally compelling relationship. Uh, between Ray and Kylo, uh, on and just kind of says it meanders a bit, um, almost breaks the fourth wall. Well, no, it, it says the 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 fourth wall breaking is in the Ray okay. and Kylo, like how they're positioned, because it's like if you if you rotated them like 
10 or 15 degrees further, they'd be looking right into the camera. Then he goes on to say, Last Jedi does pull off as many disparate parts together in a markedly stronger final stretch. Another backhanded compliment. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I hate this movie, but I also, like, it also kind of it succeeded in what it tried to do. Uh, but Johnson's ambitions can be easily oversold. Most of the surprising plot twists and character developments that eventually enliven Last Jedi walk back their radical implications in the story and revert to the resolutions we've come to expect from a trilogy, beholden to recycling its themes of misplaced hope and heroic sacrifice. <sighs> I don't know. There's the, the, the plot twist and character development thing I completely disagree with. Yes. I, like, I think... We're great. Yeah, I think that what it what it is able to do, I think that, like, I don't know, it... it, it it, it, it isn't a recycling. I honestly don't think. I, I think this is kind of territory that it's different. It doesn't follow any formula. I think Johnson did a great job of subverting our expectations. Yes. And he telegraphed that within the first 20 minutes of the movie when Luke tosses lightsaber. That sets yes. the of what's coming. Oh my God. Okay. I just need to like call out that moment for a second because like, that's like, like we said, it's been two years in between these movies. Everyone has their own preconceived notions. There was the gigantic meme around like what Luke's first words are going to be. And there was fan art that was drawn of Luke taking the lightsaber and throwing it into the ocean. And then Obi-Wan's force ghost throws it back and it smacks him on the head. And that was basically canon. Yep. (laughs) Like I, I was blown away in that moment. Like in that moment, I kind of knew like, this is going to be something completely different and I'm here for it. Johnson is so brilliant because it's such a simple thing to do. Yeah. That warned you, you're not going to get what you expect or want. (laughs) You're not going to get what you're thinking. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, so I think a part of this review is that this reviewer, what's his name, Mac, Sam Mac, he had a lot of his own preconceived notions about what he wanted in this movie, and they weren't met. And I feel like that's a common thread amongst reviewers and fans. Oh, I'll say a small sect of reviewers and most fans. A larger section of fans. Yes. Yeah, it... Because that's exactly what happened with my dad. Like, my dad is a massive Star Wars fan, and he, I told him, I said, leave your expectations at the door. Leave your ideas of what you think is going to happen at the door. And then even then, we were on the car ride home, and he was like, well, that wasn't what I expected. And I'm like, I'm like, you're (laughs) missing the point. Yes, it wasn't what you expected, but that's not a negative. We talked about this last week, and I had no idea that it would factor in so profusely to the argument that everyone is having now. But if you actually did like a qualitative study of all of the reviews of Empire when it came out, this like the level that of arguing that we have right now is exactly history repeating itself. But there uh, are people who love this movie. I am one of them. Like Hannah Woodhead, 
of Little White Lies. Yes. I yes, I picked your review in part because it's like it it hits a lot of points that I've had. There's but, I, really, yeah. I really like this review. Uh-huh. Because I, before I started read when I was reading it, I had not read who the reviewer was. Uh-huh. Reading it, I had this feeling that it wasn't a dude. <laughs> yeah. It, it I knew it was a millennial lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like this is one of the strongest reviews that we've had. It has something that we haven't really had before. And there was this a deep uh, personal connection. Yeah. I like, I almost didn't pick this review because there's a large portion of it that is not talking about the movie and but, is more about like the context of this movie, but it's also something that I feel really profoundly. And I was yeah. like, someone else is putting this to words. It, it, it adds something to the review that other viewers don't. And that's kind of this personal connection to it, this personal reverence, their emotional state and how they view the movie when everything else is cut and dry or very. <sighs> like com- comparing. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is more just, it's comparing to a certain extent, but it's more just receiving it as a movie now and receiving it as this particular re- person. Receiving it's more like reviewing experience and not a movie. Yes. I completely, I completely agree with that. So yeah, it um, like it's, it, I'm like, I'm going to start crying because this review is so accurate. And I've cried about this movie so much in the past 48 hours. Um, Like a lot of this review talks about like hope and all of that sort of stuff and how the, like this year in particular, and like, I've loved the unintentional aspect of are these star Wars movies having a political significance very accurately. Like whatever year they're released in is like, it, it kind of fits the times, even though they obviously didn't film with that in mind. Mm-hmm. Like we had it with Rogue One and we really have it now. And I just found that really like, it's, it's such a weird coincidence, but it's also so fascinating that that happens. Yeah. Uh, you can find that in even the, the prequels you can yeah. find connections to real world relevance. But so it says in Star Wars The Last Jedi, Ryan Johnson isn't just selling us the latest installment of a billion dollar saga. He's selling us the notion that surviving isn't just something that you do. It's something that you have to believe in. And then sentiment. Oh, I just I love that line. But so then in in The Last Jedi, the void is physical and metaphorical and the hope is the smallest ray of light defiant in the face that which would see it be extinguished. And then it goes into the actual review. I just love that sentiment of the first three paragraphs. And like you said, it's kind of it's way more personal than what a lot of the other reviews. It makes me it puts me in the headspace of the reviewer. Otherwise, most reviews are, let's be honest, pasty white dudes who work for <laughs> shitty outlets <laughs> that I don't care for who have the same things to say. And Hannah actually has something to say, something to contribute to yeah. all of the noise going around this movie. Well, and like you and I kind of talked about it last night, like as we were starting to just dissect the movie. And I think there's a sort of sentiment with this movie where I'm seeing like, I I have yet to really find someone who isn't a pasty white dude who hates this movie. Like every, 
every woman that I've seen has loved it in one way or the other. Like a lot of people of color are really resonating with this movie. And it's I, almost like this movie isn't just for them anymore. Exactly. But so that was, that was the point kind of of it is that like, there's never been that sort of, I don't know. There's an, this added significance to the representation that is shown in this movie and to the stories that are kind of told in this movie that if you're a straight white male, you don't necessarily ever have to think about that. Like, you don't have to put yourself in the shoes of those kind of stories because you're from this place that it's just not a thing you worry about. Yeah, exactly. And uh let's see if the review touches uh i'm kind of skimming the review it really it she praises the cast yes. which it deserves all the praise right. yes. um the force awaken or the last jedi wrestles something much deeper than daddy issues which finally we get a movie that's not like that. um <laughs> well and it like um, we we get the daddy issues to an extent though i yeah. love the when when he sees the falcon again and he's just like blow that piece of junk out of the sky because it's like i really fucking hate the millennium falcon like i love that it's so i don't know he, he's so he's still petty he's still the kylo that was in this last movie and i there's i feel like there's a lot of fans who just them uh, these fans being original trilogy fans that don't get kylo run they call him really? this whiny emo kid, and that's exactly what he's supposed to be. See, it's it's interesting because, like... Woodhead also goes on to say that Last Jedi is a little rougher on the edges. There's a sense of narrative misdirection, which grates slightly, and while not quite overlong, one or two scenes could have easily been cut for a leaner pace, which I agree with. Yeah. And as Star Wars has always been a bit messy, a little hokey even... If the last Jedi were a person, and this I like this bit, yeah, with a gap-toothed child with a grin, like an intergalactic sunrise. <sighs> and then it says, "Part of the charm is the unruly cowlick sticking upon its head." I yeah, I love that it's line. Such a wholesome thing. It is. It is. It, it like this movie reminds me, and I've seen people say this. It reminds people of playing with star wars figurines in your back like in, in your room or standing in your backyard with all your friends and role-playing a star wars movie like, exactly. yeah so you kind of touched on a little bit of this theory that i formulated okay after leaving the movie um about the the different approaches of jj and johnson yes that where abrams is very much the inbox collector <laughs> Johnson is the I'm going to take them out of the box and play with them and rough them up a bit. Yeah, and I think that really comes across in these two movies. Yeah, and I think there's like both still have a love for the toys that they're playing with. They I just think play just, with them differently. Yeah, and I think I think there are going to be people who respond to that differently, like understandably so. I do understand that what Ryan did is not for everybody, mm-hmm. but I, I like there's, there's been a influx in the past day or so of people having to beg people on the internet to like, let people enjoy things. 
Because people are being so shitty. It's like, you're allowed to like whatever. If you like, I don't know, you don't need to go on this crusade against this movie, even though you've probably only seen it once. And even though people keep telling you, hey, it'll get better the more you see of it. Like, people are still in this mindset of like, how dare you like this movie? Star Wars is canceled, blah, 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 blah. It's like the, the, this is not prequel level. No. Anywhere near it. No. They need down it um yeah yes basically we agree with anything everything and woodhead has to say yeah it um, okay so little yeah well in this bit in particular johnson nails the crucial moments in his script creating a sense of slack-jawed wonderment not seen in the series since james earl jones under the mortal words i am your father he combines this with a healthy dose of intergalactic weirdness including porgs which serve as a convenient merchandising point in slapstick humor blah 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 blah, blah. Um, one of these things that sets star wars apart from similar sci-fi blockbusters is its total earnestness it invites us to believe in a human struggle that's taking place in a fantastic setting the last jedi is no exception transporting us into to distant reaches of a galaxy where anything is possible, where anything has to be possible. So I read this review and then I went and ate dinner. And during dinner, my family and I watched Mark Hamill on Stephen Colbert. And he was talking about how what drew him to this, the original movies and what he really liked about the script for A New Hope was that earnestness and was the it's very human and even though it's taking place in this fantastical thing like he loved the fact that like they rescue leia and the very first thing she does is like make fun of them basically and this movie has that down so well but people aren't responding to it which is so weird i think those people will with time hopefully i hope so god i hope so like yeah i'm 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 ready to be like one of those people where it's just like, I have supported this movie from the the second that I got done seeing it. And I know in time people will turn around, but like, it's interesting because we've been talking about, like we, we were talking about this beforehand to a certain extent that Ryan is almost getting Snyderized, which we never expected. Like it's, it's exactly the same response that people have like that people have given to Snyder, but there's this weird feeling with this movie that I don't have in defending the Snyder movies. And I think the mindset with it is that unfortunately, like I love DC and I love what it puts out on a movie scale just over the course of time. But DC is not one to shy away from reboots and starting from scratch if they need to. And so I always have felt like I needed to go out of my way to defend BBS and justice league and all of that stuff more because it's like, it could not stick. It could be that in 10 years time, there's a reboot, but that's not going to happen. All of what's in the last Jedi is Canon and it will be Canon is going to fuck that up. And so it's like, this weird, uh, like, I feel more comfortable in the fact that I, like, completely stand this movie. Yeah, me too. Because it, it's it's here to stay whether they like it or not. Yeah. God, I love this movie. God, I love this movie. I'm like, let's just, like, burn through the last review and then just keep talking about whatever else because I have a lot someone, of other thoughts, so. Yeah, someone who doesn't like the movie... Kyle Smith. Yes. An overview. It's, it really, from the start, 
the latest film, the long, long-running saga, is an unoriginal tone-deaf mess. I don't even want to talk about the first paragraph of this review. But let's. Uh, I don't want to because it's not... Okay, here's the thing. Like we like we said, it's like there are people who are reviewing the experience of this movie. I think his exp- he I think he was over analyzing the experience that he had during this movie, and I don't think it's indicative of how everyone else has felt about this movie. Watching the first like w- when I went to see this on Thursday, the almost sold out showing of people cheering when the title card came on screen and laughing really like loudly at parts and gasping and cheering at one moment in the third act. Like that is what it is. That's what people are responding to. It's not this bullshit that he talks about, about people pacing in the hallway because they want to convince themselves this isn't as bad as the prequels. Yeah, yeah. no, he's totally wrong. Um, he does say it's redeemed in part by a solid final half hour. Uh, it's not quite as bad as the prequels. But it's like hearing 1980s hits played by a metacore cover band. <laughs> a mediocre. Uh, I don't get how he says this is unoriginal when it does stuff seen in a Star Wars movie before. The structure of this movie is totally different from anything we have seen before. It also, uh, it's, it's, there is, there, there are some threads to the structure that I feel like we've seen before, but it's not in this way. And it's not like just the structure is such a simple thing. Every movie follows a particular like there's only so many structures that movies can really choose from. So the fact that it kind of mirrors like this movie was for the saga. Yeah, it kind of reinvigorated a bit. Otherwise, everyone is expecting a kind of straightforward empire progression. Mm-hmm. We didn't get that, and I'm not glad we didn't. Exactly. Yeah, it. that's why I picked this review in part because I completely disagree with the it's like a mediocre cover band sort of thing. I, I don't think, I think there are things that you like, if you want to pull certain parallels with certain things and if you want to say, oh, this is copying that or whatever, that's your own personal reading of it. But also at the same time, you have to accept the fact that this movie is doing its own thing. I think, what's his name? I don't even care. The reviewer, he spent way Kyle. too much Kyle. He spent way too much time and energy in this one line to try to sound clever. A huge chunk of this movie is devoted to Luke and Ray doing a lackluster dinner theater in New Jersey reprise of Luke's trip to Yoda's Dagobah. <sighs> I completely disagree. It's so... Only this time, after a weekly motivated change in heart on Luke's part, he plays the grumpy old sage. It was not. It made logical sense on why he did the things he did. All right. I need to pause and talk about Luke Skywalker because I I am sick of people arguing that this movie bastardizes Luke Skywalker and that there's this... That this movie doesn't understand Luke Skywalker because I think that, yes, he is not the person that he is at the end of Return of the Jedi. But at the same time, no one in this movie or no one in this entire universe, literally aside from Yoda, who is a force ghost, is the same as they were at the end of Return of the Jedi. Like Leia has gone through a 
a monumental amount of shit. Han has this like urban legend element to him in the force awakens. And he's also been through some shit. And Luke is Luke still has the mindset of what makes him Luke. He still has the belief that he can like that, that, that things can work out and that things can be optimistic and that people can be helped. It's just that he's been burned so badly by his own mistakes that he doesn't think that, that, that he is able to help. Like he thinks that he, that people are better off with him gone. That's literally why he spends the, all of the force awakens gone. And the only thing we see from him is the temple burning and him looking at it. But yet people saw that and still expected him to be return of the Jedi Luke when we picked back up. Yeah, exactly. Like it, <laughs> I don't know why people expected to have the same character. Um, he should evolve and change and grow. Um, he should be able to, he should be allowed to make mistakes. And, exactly. and that's what we got with this Luke Skywalker. I, God. And oh. like Ham, Hamill just does such a good job. And he is like, this is like, this is the performance that I know he's been wanting to give because it's equal parts Luke from the original trilogy. It's equal parts Alec McGinnis as Obi-Wan. It's like, it's this perfect so combination I, of things. Going off of that, there's a line in this review going back to that yeah. uses me. If your movie depends on Mark Hamill trying to be Walter, Walter Matthau, you've got trouble. And then it says, why is Luke previously the most earnest guy in the galaxy letting loose with acerbic wisecracks? Because of everything I just explained. And because he's a person. Even if you consider like a normal person, a normal person at 20, which is what Luke is, he's in his 20s by the time the original trilogy is done. And, uh, and a person like one generation later they're going to have seen some shit. They're going to have a slightly different outlook on the world. They're going to respond to things a little bit differently. That doesn't mean they're not the same character. If this is a character who was a young, whiny farm boy, <laughs> went off to war, saw people die, and now he's an old guy with PTSD. Exactly. Wants to be alone. Exactly. And he, and he thinks that he is a failure. And so that's why he wants to be alone. And so that's why have, seeing someone that is basically is literally the version of him in this trilogy come up to him and be like, well, we need your help. And it's like, well, yeah, I like he he so obviously can see himself in Ray and he's so obviously like he doesn't have that optimism that things will magically turn out because he knows what is at stake and what is able to happen. Yeah. Um National Review goes on to say, um, so this is a, kind of a, touches on a bit that I'm still undecided on. Um, Finn joins up with the mercenary uh, Del Toro, who amounts to yet another bit of recycling. He is thrown in to create an outlet for jaded Han Solo type dialogue. I disagree. No, okay, so while I like the Del Toro character, ultimately I think it's a little superfluous. I completely agree. I think because yeah, there's so much already going on, he's yeah. so late into the movie. He really should have just 
been saved for the third one. I, I completely agree. If there's like, if there's one thing that I would change about this movie, it would be that his element in it. But I also, I don't know. Cause like, I agree that like there are, there are things that are being said with his character that I think are interesting, but I almost think you need an entire whole movie to tackle that. Cause feel, it's like, I don't know. His whole side plot. I understand where it's coming from and I appreciate what it's message is. But in this grand scheme of things, it added an extra half hour to the movie. And it, I wanted to focus back on other things that were already in motion. Are you talking about like Finn and Rose's whole thing? Or are you just talking about like Del Toro being involved in Finn and Rose's yeah. thing? Yes. What? Yes. yes. To which one? All of it. <laughs> okay. So like, not that I didn't dislike Rose and Finn's side plot, there were things that I liked. It's, it was a very pure kind of Star Wars thing. Um, but I also wanted to get back to like the main meat of the story. Here's the thing. Some, I feel like one of those, the, their whole thing could have been trimmed down a bit. Here's the thing. I agree. I, I kind of, the second time around, I watched for moments where that subplot could be trimmed down. There were all admittedly moments where I was like, if I have to go to the bathroom, I'm going to go during this sequence because I know what happens. But at but I ended up not because I still found stuff to glean from it. But I, so the, the main art, like I've seen a lot of people argue that you could completely cut Finn and Rose's side plot from the movie, especially because it doesn't go as planned. And like, it's, it, it's kind of a version of what was in Rogue One, but like at a way less successful extent. But if you view it within the context of kind of the mission statement of the movie, it completely fits. Oh, no, I totally get that. I'm not saying cut it yeah. out entirely. Yeah. Just trim it down. No, I agree. Like, like, there are sequences of it that are kind of long, but I think that the, the whole sentiment of these two people who also came from nothing and are like are willing to go out of their way to save the galaxy and are like willing to be hopeful to like uh, this kind of inspiration to the kids in the stable and they're able to like help make the world a little bit better along the way and whatever like it totally fits that general mindset of the movie i do still think it could be trimmed down but i've just seen people not you but other people who like fundamentally miss that part of the movie yeah no i totally get the message and the the themes it was going for and how it fits into the grander scheme of things it just uh, there was a lot of back and forth a lot of plot threads we were following yeah um but yeah i feel as much as i like del toro's character for the little we saw him also i would have cut him i would have too like it yeah because it's like the i don't know we almost didn't need another villain like in a way that we're already so overstuffed with villains which by the way <laughs> i am bitter i the i uh why did Phasma have to get Boba Fett? Why did that have to happen? I that feel that's better. another thing that uh, Johnson disappointed me with. Yeah. Um, Phasma. Yeah. My, 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 like, my biggest complaint about this movie is that Phasma died. Like, that it's such a small thing, but to me, I don't know. Used. Yeah. And, like, I feel like we had two years of the fans 
wanting more from her. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get that. I'm I'm kind of disappointed he didn't find a way to fit her in more. Yeah, I feel like if like she that, been that's more into the whole story. Yeah, it's like his, you almost forget about her until she shows up yeah. in the middle of the second act. Like it's it, it, and I felt horrible about that because I love that the concept of that character and like there's a the tie-in novel that they put out before this movie which goes into like I haven't read it yet but I kind of read a synopsis the other day it goes into like um Hux's dad kind of set up the first order and so he kind of recruited her and like groomed her a little bit and then she realized that he was a shitty person and Hux realized that he was that 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 his dad was a shitty person and then they like team up to kill him and I'm like, I want that. I want more of that. I want any yeah. characterization for her that neither of these movies really gave. Yeah, I, sh- I really shouldn't have to read expanded universe stuff to really get an appreciation for the character that's in the movie. You shouldn't yeah. do that in the movie. Yeah, because it's like, I don't know. Because at the same time, I hate Boba Fett. I think he's so overrated. And I can understand that in 10 or 15 years' time, people are also going to be saying that about Phasma. But it's like there's potential there. And I sat with that potential for two years, and then it didn't really become anything. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I really feel she should have been part of the Rose Finn story, chasing them down on Canto Bite. Just yes. anything. That, oh, I, I, yes, yes, exactly. And... I don't know. Even though like the, when they finally get that rematch between Finn and Phasma, like the, it's so dirty, but like the music cue that kicks in as Finn is like marching across the, like the whole thing that's in the whole hangers in flames and whatever. And then they start mm-hmm. that fight. I was like giddy with how all of that came together. Cause it was presented in such a cool way. I'm like, I wanted more of that it, from her. Yeah, I, it's a shame she was killed off because this movie killed off a lot of people and they're going to need some more cast members for the third one. <laughs> <laughs> they're just going to go to an island of porgs. God, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of what else we can say at, for this review and then we can just talk a little bit about just like general bullet points and stuff. But It goes on to say, unfortunately, it's the first cool thing to happen uh, and it's referring to uh, Haldo uh, uh, jumping light speed into uh, the. I another thing with sound, the fact that it goes completely silent is like incredible. Like I love that. It's it's, it's such a risky thing. Moment, and that was the moment where it really cemented me that I really liked Haldo. Uh-huh. And sad that she wasn't going to be around. I knew, okay, admittedly, I liked her from the beginning. I liked her from before this movie came out, because, and it's only because <laughs> one line in the tie-in novel that kind of shows her and Leia meeting, like, confirmed that she's bi. And so I was like, yes, bi lady in space with purple curly hair. This is, like, this no, is something that I'm totally here for. And then, like, her actual arc in the movie, I kept going, like, no, don't make her a villain and blah, 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 blah. But I, I, yeah. what, what's, like, cemented it for me was the line from Leia where it's, like, she cared more about saving the Force than she did seeming like a hero. Same. Yeah, that kind of, re- no, I don't want to say redeemed her for me. But uh, I, 
because I didn't really research this movie. I, I tried to go in as blind as I could. I don't yeah. know why I had the impression that she was going to be a character at Canto Bite. Oh, okay. Don't know why. I think just um, the aesthetic. Yeah, that was probably it. Um, yeah, because and then she's kind of very adversarial in a movie that we already had a lot of adversarial characters. Um, and, and her kind of plot thread comes from a trope that I don't like that's played out on TV. It's like keeping secrets when we don't need to. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, you just tell Poe. Um, but it, I'll, I'll forgive it this time. I think she just doesn't, I don't, it's, it's an issue of trust. And yeah. admittedly. Her, her trust, she doesn't trust him because he was a cocky pilot who made mistakes so from her point of view i understand that yeah uh but her not telling him results in well you know (laughs) but yeah i i still have to i think like the third viewing around the kind of the poe arc of this movie will really kind of click like it, it still clicks for me but i think like there's there's a lot of like borderline whiplash that kind of goes along of like Poe's going to make this decision and then Holdo's going to make this decision and so on and so forth and whatever that it's like, Oh, it's a lot going on at that moment in time. But it also, I don't know. I, I, part of it is too, is kind of, you go from these very um, kinetic fast paced of Holdo and Poe going at it. And then the slower scenes of Ray and Luke. Yeah. So it was this, like you said, whiplash of going from one extreme to the other. Which wasn't bad. Like, it's it's pacing that is justified. And I think the the ticking clock thing is almost an interesting, like, it, it makes you, it makes, it gives a completely different context for those slower scenes. Because if you didn't have the ticking clock element of it, you wouldn't know if. But it kind of makes me think, like, the, the, the pacing of it all because we're told it's like oh we have 18 hours of fuel left but like the time frame for ray and luke feels much longer well okay but also space and how long how long is a day on one planet versus another planet so like it it very well could be that just octu has a different measurement of time Mm -hmm. so i i like and that honestly did not occur to me until just now but that that's kind of my way of justifying it is that it there's kind of space which that will lead me into another thing (laughs) that i have seen people complain about but i have thoughts on why they need to stop complaining about it and it is leia being space jesus because I Skywalkers are force sensitive. They can use the force. They're in tune with it. Shut up and move on fans. Well, so, okay. And so I, I, I love that moment and it isn't just the carry of it all. The fact that like, I completely understand why Ryan said like when he was editing this movie together, that there are things that are hard to watch now that Carrie is gone, I completely understand why he said that. And it puts a lot of her scenes in a completely different context than if she was still around today. But there's, so like for that level and for the fact that I cried for a week when she died, I, I loved kind of the space Jesus element of that all, even with kind of how admittedly sort of silly it is. But I was listening to, um, Steel Wars, which is a Star Wars podcast that's really great. And the the guy that kind of hosts it was talking about how um, 
the the issue for him wasn't that it happened and wasn't that it was cheesy. It was just that it shifted what was possible for like within that universe in his mind. And so the fact that it'll take him another viewing or two to really get used to that or to accept the fact of like, this is what the universe is capable of right now. Like, like it fits into a larger thing of Johnson is very liberal and introduces a lot of new force powers. Yes, elements, absolutely. Which I have no problem with. Me neither. Um, it like, it, it's a logical thing to have happen. Like there are going to be things with the force that are beyond what we have already seen. I, mean, think about it. I wonder if people had the, this reaction to Palpatine using <laughs> you know, electric powers in <laughs> you had never seen, but really you had never seen anything like that before. There wasn't a precedent for it. So I'm also just thinking of when we when we played Battlefront and Palpatine just running across the battlefield with his lightning fingers and how stupid that looks. But but no, it is it is that same sort of thing because it's like the force is capable. Like Luke says as much within the movie that the force is capable of things that are with beyond the scope of imagination and understanding. And yet people are being butthurt that Leia was able to save her own life. We're fucking space wizards. They're space wizards. But yeah, my dad, like the whole car ride home, he was like, well, she's a human. If she was out in space for that long, she'd die. And I'm like, well, it's space wizards. Like, so you, you need to... And here's the, here's the thing that I realized about it earlier today. If Luke had done that action, if that scene had been Luke, no one would be complaining. No one. Because it would be, oh, Luke unlocked some new part of the Force. Oh, my God, this is so amazing. This is what the Force is capable of now. But because it's Leia, people are bitter. Yep. yep. It's like she had to, she had to earn the fact that she's using the Force. Like Ray. <sighs> I'm just so bitter. I'm so bitter at how people are reacting to that because it's so wrong. Like, yes. yeah, it, I don't know. God, but I'm trying to think this is it for this review, kind of, even though like, this, okay, this review annoyed me. First of all, it says Poe when it really means Finn at one point, And I'm like, buddy, no. <laughs> and it just kind of shits at all of the jokes of it all. Like Yoda calling this, the sacred text a page turner or like saying that they aren't page turners. And Wondering, like, oh, are the crystal critters really called that? It's like, no, that's just what Finn's calling them. Shut up. <laughs> like, there's, yeah, I don't, there's so I don't many get so you want to be <sighs> Yeah, this, this review is just so cynical and it bothers me. It, which is totally the opposite message that that movie ends with. <sighs> I, God, I love that moment. I, it's, it was, when there's so much being thrown at you, that moment was such a weird pacing for me, like that final moment, because it almost felt like the equivalent of a post credit scene, even though Star Wars doesn't do those. Yeah. But like, it, it felt, it felt like the moment, like the movie could have ended with everyone on the Falcon and that would have been okay. But then like having that extra moment, you keep waiting for like, what's going to be the the reveal of like when that kid goes out is he going to meet yeah. some character is something going to do whatever but then like the simplicity of it is so perfect 
It really is. It's such a thank you, Johnson, for that. And like I, I gasped when the kid like force pulls the broom, and like because that yeah, it's just that moment of and it it really does kind of seal home the thing like send home the thing that I was talking about earlier where it's like this this movie kind of cements the fact that these movies are for everybody now and they're not just for it's not that they ever weren't not just for the skywalkers and i'm using skywalkers to represent hardcore original series fans yeah like this is for everybody now everyone has the ability if they believe in it and if they hope that they can and fuck i love that like i love that so much and like i just this movie i also want to thank johnson for another great moment in this movie um is early on I, I, I have a feeling i know what this is going to be because my brain also went there as like a bullet because, point that we need to talk about because poe is so shook when bb8 tells him that finn is <laughs> Naked and leaking. <laughs> gay. The gay is so strong. Uh, I love Thank it. Thank you for that. I love it. I just it's so unnecessary, but I love it. Finn naked bag leaking. Are you okay? I love that. Uh, and I just want I want the the four of them to just be in this poly relationship and just be okay. Like, I don't want any sort of bullshit love triangles. I don't want any of that to really happen. I think that all four of them now have some sort of connection to each other, except for Ray and Rose, who really, like, need to actually interact. Ray and Finn are really, or Ray and Poe met, really, for the first time. I love that. Because, because it it like it shocked people. It's like, wait, they haven't. This is the first time they're introducing themselves. For, to Force Awakens till now is like the span of a week. Exactly. People forget that, by the way, and that bothers me incessantly. It's maybe not even a week. Maybe five days yeah which that that pins on another thing when i was talking about people not understanding luke's characterization there are people that i've seen that are like leia's a general why won't she understand that people would die in war and that's okay and i'm like because han literally died three days ago and then i don't know maybe 30 years ago her planet blew up but you know you know (laughs) (sighs) but yeah i i just want the core four to be okay and like they all i don't know i just i love what this movie is able to set up between everyone i love having rose as an addition i think she represents like aside from just being a gigantic cinnamon roll i think like she and her sister are just a brilliant thing to kind of bring in that scene that sequence with her sister and the bombs it's just like yes so good and like it's just I don't know. I, I I remember being hesitant when Kelly was first cast. I was worried that it was going to be like she, that. This is this is going to sound horrible. I was worried that she was going to be playing some sort of like alien character. Mm-hmm. Like even if if even if she was just like someone who worked on the ship, but she had some sort of prosthetics or whatever. That was kind of what I was worried about. And yeah. the fact that that didn't happen, I'm like so and the fact that she got she and her sister both got the storylines that they did, I loved. Yeah, cuz it happens far too often where POC actors have to be covered in makeup and sci-fi and fantasy films. So I'm glad that happened. Yeah, it 
I was about to just be like cough guardians of the galaxy. <laughs> um, it, yeah, I love kind of, I love what she was able to bring with her character. And I've, I've loved seeing Kelly on this press tour because good Lord, if that's not all of us being brought into this world of Star Wars, when she's just like crying at the premiere and just really like uh, aware of how surreal it all is. And like in, in, in interviews, people have asked her like, oh, would you rather go on a date with Poe or Finn? And she goes, well, I actually ship both of them. So, which I love. It's like, it's, a, it's such a like fan. I don't know. I don't know. It, it feels so relatable to an extent, which I think is really great. But yeah, that actually wasn't the thing that I was going to talk about that I thought you were going to talk about, but there's another scene that is also being interpreted as unnecessarily sexual. Uh, get your head out of your cockpit. No. Which one? Can you put on a cowl or something? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it I've I've heard that there are people in theaters where the entire theater laughed like at the reveal of him being shirtless which like godspeed to Adam Driver like first of all he's his performance in this movie is incre- like way exceeded my expectations I am shocked that I actually was able to give a shit about Kylo Ren so I like commend him on that, but then just the, the way that he sells that shirtless scene is just so good. I hear Kylo Ren is shredded. <laughs> Kylo Ren has an eight pack. I can't believe they made that canon. I'm like, really <laughs> I love it. Ryan Johnson is one of us and he just combs through shit posts and fan material and makes canon. <sighs> but, but but Ryan Johnson doesn't understand anything and he hasn't seen the original trilogy and blah 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 Fuck, I fucking hate those people so much but yeah I just like god Kylo is just Kylo is a whole new level of extra in this movie and he I is, love it he is his own villain yes you don't, not under the shadow of Snoke we haven't even talked about Snoke it has been an hour and we have not talked about Snoke <laughs> yeah let's Let's. Uh, I'm so glad uh, that's another thing that Johnson subverted. Uh, Snoke. We had two years of theories and had cannons. <sighs> no, fuck it. He doesn't matter. Like we'll probably get an answer in some like time or something. I don't need so, one. Yeah, I'm perfectly fine not needing one. When we first saw the Emperor, yeah, the original trilogy, he was just a hologram, and then yeah. If we didn't get backstory on how he rose to power, where he got his force powers from. He was just a dude that we accepted as evil, and he was there. We can do the same with Snoke. Exactly. Plus, he's not... I don't know. I love the fact that it's now... Like like you said, Kylo kind of stepping out of his own shadow and not just being a pawn, sort of, because that was kind of... That always felt like that was them. It was a very weird relationship between them where uh, Snoke groomed him. Yes. In a very creepy kind of way. And Kylo kind of overcame his abuser. Yeah. He's still evil as fuck, but, you know. <laughs> and he's still kind of an abuser in his own right. There's this article that I found that was really interesting because I, I like. I opened it because it was like, is Star Wars? It was like, is The Last Jedi the sexiest Star Wars movie yet? And I was like cringing because I'm like, please don't be like Raylo 
like supporting kind of stuff with that. But then it goes on to say that like, there's this weird somewhat sexual tension between the two of them, but that doesn't excuse the fact that Kylo is a horrible person and he doesn't, he isn't a positive person that she should be with. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> Cause it kind of nailed the thing of like, he still is being shitty and emotionally abusive. And like the, 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 the scene with Ray when he's like, well, you mean nothing to anyone, but you, you mean something to me or whatever. Like it's such a, like emotionally abusive stereotype sort of thing. There was one moment where Snoke was kind of like uh, a dad not supporting his son's cosplay of <laughs> that ridiculous thing off referring to his helmet when uh-huh. Kylo just wears it. His granddad uh-huh. just emulate. It was like just a little moment like that. I know. Stop. It's playing. Just fucking grow up. <laughs> I God. And like, the the thing that the the little white lies review kind of talks about to an extent where it's the thing of the the jaw dropping sort of thing the moment the first time seeing the scene when it's the and now he will turn the lightsaber and he will use it to kill the one that he hates the most like that was such a oh shit moment mm-hmm. and i love it so much it was like i really hate that i will not be able to see that again for the first time i know the, the closest thing I'm going to have is my, my little sister. It's, it's so cute. She did not give a shit about Star Wars until like two weeks ago when she was like, can I start getting into Star Wars? And so when she's done with finals, we're going to like show her stuff and then we're going to take her to go see The Last Jedi. And I, I am excited to watch her watch that moment. Because it is, it's such a good, it's, 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 I mean, obviously nothing is of the same level of the, as the, like, I am your father line, but the way that it kind of fucks with what, like, what's established and fucks with the playing field is so good. It, it adds so much and changes the stakes going into three from what we had anticipated. It also is interesting because Kylo lies about it. Like, he, he does it. He has that moment and he does it. And then has that fight scene with Ray, which, oh my God, the, the slow-mo when she gets the lightsaber back and then it pans out to that wide shot and they yep. are in slow- oh, oh, I, every time I like get chills. It's such a great scene and such a great set piece. It, it's, I, 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 never, I never give a shit about the guards or the stormtroopers. I'm sorry, but just from I'm, I'm like just from a general standpoint, I'm just like, oh yeah, they're just kind of there. But those guards were so cool. Like, and, thank you for making them cool and useful, Johnson. Yes, and, and like not having, just like set decoration. And having their weapons actually be like different, and their costumes be so dra- drastically different and stuff. And yeah, that entire fight scene, even when you know what's going to happen, it still is amazing to watch. Like all of the little moments in it. And like when Kylo, like when, when she tosses Kylo the saber and then he puts it through the guy's head. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just little moments like that, that are so unexpected and yeah. so good. And it's, it's interesting because my dad complained to me afterwards that this didn't have enough action. Hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, huh? That's interesting. I'm like, the action that was presented is so purposeful. Yeah, it's not just there to be flashy. It's like survival. Yeah. It's literally them in that situation. Like, if we don't kill these guards, we are going to die. And, and that's the thing with the whole movie. If we don't 
escape these guys, we're going to die. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think the one other thing I really want to talk about is like just the, the third act scene with Luke and just the little things with that. Cause like everything Luke does in the third act made me cry the second time around. It was embarrassing. My dad asked me afterwards, he said, yeah, I could hear you crying. And I'm Uh like, no, I didn't want you to hear me crying. Cause it's just everything about his performance in that third act, which I, by the way, I've already seen people joke that it's like, Luke Skywalker is truly a gay icon because he wore uh, all black ensemble with a really high thread count. <laughs> and, then, and then he brushed the dirt off his shoulder. He's truly a gay icon. And I'm like, oh my God, I love the internet. But just uh, that moment of him walking out on the battlefield and iconic everything that follows. I love it. Cause then there's a, there's a scene, there's a line of dialogue in the first act. Like as, when, when Ray basically meets him where she's like, where he, he basically says, Oh, so what you want me to stand there with a laser sword and face down the entire first order. And then that's what he does. It's exactly what he does. And oh, it's just, oh, I love it so much. And I love, it's just so simple and it's so breathtakingly shot and just, the the choreography of that moment and even like i don't know every everything in that moment feels so perfect even though it gives me probably the best kylo ren line read where the first time that luke talks to kylo and he's like i'm sorry i did whatever and then kylo goes i'm sure you are and just it's so perfectly (laughs) fitty and it's so great because it makes me like i've been laughing about that line all day today because it's so great but like everything in that entire sequence and like just the the oh everything you said was wrong and whatever like that whole it just is it's it's iconic it's literally iconic and i'm so happy that hamill got to do this and i'm so happy that we all get to see it and like that moment for me i'm like no one can ever take that moment away from me of watching that and i love that so much <sighs> yes I agree with everything you just said. Good. <laughs> I, I would, I, wow. I just, this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, this, this is one of the few times on the podcast where we can say the critics are right and fans are wrong. <laughs> yeah. Not the negative critics, but like, yeah. And there are, okay, here's the thing. There are critics that are wrong and there are fans that are right. Like, I don't think the two are mutually exclusive, but I think there's, in terms of the raw numbers of Rotten Tomatoes, I think that... Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, there's a gigantic disconnect here. But, like, I love this movie. I am ready to love this movie for a really long amount of time. Like, I'm going to be... I'm going to be one of those obnoxious Empire stands about this movie for, like, my entire life. And I'm really excited. Because it's just, like, this is... Star Wars has always been a thing in my life. It's always been a facet of my life. My dad took me to a Star Wars convention when I was way too young to even understand what was going on. And, like, way too short to really see what anyone looked like. Like, it was kind of adorable. But, like, I... This movie really cemented for me that, like this is a thing that I can hold on to kind of like, yeah, it, God, (laughs) is there anything else you want to say as you're clicking on something? I think you summed it all up. Thank you. So Mm, yes. 
<laughs> so off the top of your head, just to kind of play our last segment, what comic book movie would you trust Ryan to do? Justice League 2. <laughs> I'm laughing because I would lose my mind. I would love it. And the internet would explode. They really would. <laughs> so, so, just to piss them off more. It would, it would explode out of pure hatred. And I would love every second of it. Oh, my God. It, <sighs> even it, like just like or like Man of Steel, too. Yes. Only he under he can balance light and dark. He understands how to take a iconic hero and present them as a flawed person. Yeah, I I, I trust him because totally I don't his style doesn't fit with the MCU. Yeah, I, un- unless they're going to completely shift now, which I don't think they will. But that's a discussion for another day. Or that's a discussion we kind of had last episode, <laughs> which you should go listen to. Yes, but yeah, I. It, 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 I don't see him being able to do a DCU movie in part because Lucasfilm is obviously keeping him on lock. Yeah, I, I kind of love and hate that he's kind of locked in there for the like 10 years. I love it. I love it for the pettiest of reasons because it's it's the same thing I kind of said when it like about defending Snyder versus defending Ryan. It's like I know that at the end of the day, Ryan still has a job and Ryan still has an entire whole trilogy that he's going to be able to show us. And the fact that that was given to him and can't really be taken away is like, uh, like my reason for not liking it is that yeah. he's not free to work on projects. Yeah, exactly. Completely. Like there's a, like there's a downside to it. Definitely. De- definitely. But like, I'm, but I'm so yeah to see what he does. I have no idea where he could go or what he could do, but I am so ready to see what it is. Sadly, it's not the old Republic. <laughs> Yet. I mean, know he, yeah, they said it's not. I know. He basically confirmed it, but I, I will be, I don't know. There's so much un- uncharted territory that I genuinely don't know what he's going to do. But I'll buy a ticket. Yeah. I, uh, I love it. I love I love this movie. I love Ryan Johnson. I love Star Wars. <laughs> I think that I'm like, I don't know what else to say. I yeah. think we should up. Yep. Um, yeah, this movie. Man. Where can people find you on Twitter talking about this movie and other movies? Yeah, at the Chris Vitto. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, and then you can find me on Twitter at Hey It's Jenna Lynn. All my other links are there. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Tomato Tomato Pod. So if you want to, I, I was like, if you want to complain about something we said, but honestly, I don't have time for that right now. <laughs> if there's something in that we said that you agree with that you think was an interesting thing, like, or if you want to expand on that or whatever, or if you just want to send us porg memes, that works too. Like just just send it our way at tomato tomato pod. We also have a gene uh, email. I think it's tomato tomato pod. I think. There's also the Facebook too. Yes, I was getting to the Facebook. So yeah, just search tomato tomato. You can find us on Facebook. Um, 
and go from there. So yeah. Um, I think we're going to do a Christmas episode next. Cool. I think I'm like, there's a lot, like fun. there's a lot to choose from. I have like one in mind possibly. Please not die hard. No. I'm it's- so fucking sick of people. It's like Die Hard is the best Christmas. Shut up. Shut up. Okay. So is it okay if we watch something that kind of... Make- I know what you're going to say. It's going to be Paul Blart. No. that oh. We missed the window for that, unfortunately, because we didn't record before Thanksgiving when Death Blart came out. We'll save that for next year. But um, there's a Christmas movie that's Die Hard adjacent. Which is... I feel like I mentioned it before, and I'm shocked that you don't know. Reindeer Games? You know what Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's like Die Hard, but worse, and has been <laughs> streaming about pie. Yes. And it's a masterpiece. <laughs> so, so, yeah, we're going to hopefully watch that next week and talk about it. So stay tuned for that. And until next time, keep watching movies. Go see The Last Jedi again. If you've, th- if you've already seen it multiple times, go again. Go again.